Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition or episode of Nerd Out, where security experts come together to discuss the latest security issues facing individuals and organizations. I, of course, am Dave Pounder, and I'm joined by my merry group of nerdies. So I'll just welcome in Travis, Joe, and Bridget. How have you guys been? Let's just start around the room. Uh, Joe, how have you been? I've been well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for spring. Um, I'm tired of the cold here in the Northeast, and uh, if it snows one more time, I might be moving back in with my mom down in South Florida. So I hope she gets that guest room ready. As a proud Floridian in, in a lot of respects, you're, you're welcome to join the warm weather down here with us. It's, it's in the 80s today. So, oh. But I, I know you guys got teased in the mid-Atlantic there with a little bit of uh, nice weather and then you go back to the cold. So Travis, how are you adjusting to the up and downs of the uh, mid-Atlantic spring? Don't like it. Give me spring, <laughs> summer. I don't need winter. That's all I got to say. <laughs> that, that, there you go. There you go. That, 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 I, I, again, I welcome you down with open arms to Florida um, if you're willing to accept some of the other faults. Uh, Bridget, Bridget, what have you been up to? I'm just not sure what time it is right now. I mean, I don't, I don't do well with that, the spring, spring forward part of the uh, time change. And, and if you hear a slight snorting or snoring on this call it's actually my dog not me but in spirit it's me so at least with the snoring so my daughter was going you know we were putting my daughter ready to go to bed last night and you know it was getting her bath time and then going to bed she's like but dad it's not dark out you know we're not i was like yes yeah yep spring forward spring forward my dear so all right so we've got a big agenda today uh, let's get into it. So, Joe, over the weekend, you know, well, actually, over the last two weeks, we've seen uh, states of various uh, sizes and uh, uh, various shades of red or blue, regardless, have been a reopening and have declared, in some instances, a full reopening with no capacity limits or anything, in, in spite of what's happening with still the, the lingering COVID pandemic. Um, Obviously, there are concerns from a health perspective when you still have those who have not been vaccinated. But let's be honest, it's, it's really not going to stop it from happening. So with that and, and looking at it from a security perspective, what are the things that we really should be focused on? You know, I, I saw in Texas uh, that they may have opening day baseball. And if you can't see, I'm wearing my Baltimore Orioles shirt. So I'm excited about opening day. But I'm uh, not so sure I'd be excited about opening day with 46,000 other fans. Uh, what, what kind of things should we be thinking about as we get reintroduced to venue uh, type of management? This is a, a very interesting topic because um, going to 100% capacity for some just seems just you know many, many months away. I think the biggest challenge we're going to have is uh, it's still very. It's still a hotbed of politics involved in most of these decisions, um, and depending on how you interpret the science, some people think there's very little cause for concern. Some people think there's great cause for concern. I am on the latter of that. Uh, I think that, uh, irrespective of the quantity of people coming into your building, security is going to be faced with the fact that even though your governor may say yes, you can go back to 100% capacity, the venues might be saying yeah, and no mask mandates, by the way. Um, the venues might say, okay, we're gonna to go to 100% capacity, but we are going to enforce masks. So I think when you let in that many people into your building, you're, you know, statistically, you're gonna be dealing with people who are on either side of that 
political argument. So they're going to come in, uh, maybe they wear the mask through entrance, but then you're going to be challenged with keeping masks on your guests throughout the, uh, the event. And that's going to be a, a source of uh, frustration for the security force. Um, so I think enforcement is a problem, and I think that's going to elevate tension. And I think uh, people who are not interested in wearing their masks are going to come up against people who are still very um, concerned about being in close proximity to people who are not wearing their masks or even wearing their masks. So I think a lot of tension is going to um, build and build quickly. Uh, some venues, uh, even with somewhere between 20 and 50% capacity, they're having challenges with keeping uh, their guests in masks and they're trying to avoid ejection, but it's still happening. I've spoken to a few venue operators around the country and uh, it's a challenge. Uh, this is not going to be simple. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of confusion and just sort of rusty skill sets. We've got a lot of people who are going to be coming back to work for the first time, a lot of people coming to venues for the first time, and you put all of them together and the, the, the challenge will develop quickly. Um, I think just, uh, it, it won't be easy to enjoy the event uh, by just walking through the door, getting in line, getting a hot dog, and then going to watch the game. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that um, uh, uh, people are patient with each other because staff, visitors, teams, a lot of people are coming together for the first time in a long time. Uh, there may have been broken components to that where people have come together, but now there's going to be a big number of people in one spot. So um, security is going to have their hands full managing the crowd. Yeah, so let, let's let's talk about that for a second. And Travis, I'll, I'll ask you, is, I mean, we're now bringing people together, whether they're employees who are working the events or individuals who are trying to go and enjoy the events, um, kind of out of out of shape or like out of practice with these type of things. What are some considerations that organizations need? Uh, like, do we need to plan for new types of scenarios? Like rowdy patron is may not be so much as non-mask wearer or out of health compliance or somebody who's uh, blatantly arguing over X, Y, or Z matter with a new policy. What type of organizational preparedness needs to happen for these groups as they begin to kick off some of these events? What, what, what would you recommend? Well, really, unfortunately, it has a, uh, a new meaning to situational awareness, particularly with response to um, um, facial expression, right? So we teach, and you teach behavioral patterns um, to security staff all the time for behavioral patterns. And one of them is being able to discern, uh, you know, facial characteristics when a, you know, they're coming in, scanning, whatever, and you're, you're screening them you know, before they enter the facility. Um, and one of those is obviously facial expressions and those, 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 those micro expressions. And if you can't do that because uh, catch 22, right? Mask wearing, because we want it and, and versus, or when they're in the stands, um, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, subset, I think, of the, the profession that needs to be uh, ferreted out to un try to understand this long-term. So, um, you know, obviously we all hope that this doesn't last forever, but at least for the near-term future, you know, depending on where you are regionally, some places are gonna require it. So um, that pre-screening um, really takes on a whole different kind of uh, uh, emphasis now for your first uh, line security personnel. And I don't, 
Um, I would be interested. I haven't seen it, but I would be interested to see if anybody is in their, you know, in their implementation doing just that. Maybe Joe knows. I don't know, but that would be my biggest. And it is a catch twenty-two, uh, fear and concern there. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point. I think it, I think the patience aspect of it is people are just going to have to have a level when you're going to these and recognizing that there are going to be potentially longer lines. There's going to be frustrating attitudes and in, in, in encounters. There's going to be guest on guest um, potential incidents or flare ups that that may occur you know, um, that that security folks are just not used to or out of tolerance working. But, you know, to some of those points about behaviors and recognizing these, that that's a really critical aspect. And that's something that we train about or talk about when talking about, you know, potential threat actors who are looking to utilize and take advantage of some of these situations. You know, we know venues have been targeted uh, by threat actors, whether that's extremist groups or terrorist organizations, as as a venue where they can gain a lot of publicity as well as gain, you know, inflict maximum casualties. You know, Bridget, when you see these type of things opening back up again, does this bring about the threat actor planning into it again? And and do these extremist groups now say? you know, the gloves are off. I'm, I'm, I've got a full new set of places to go back to. And, and how concerned do we need to be right now? Um, I, I, I don't know if, um, if all extremist groups are going to be feeling that way, but I think that um, there, there will be basically settings and situations where um, people who have even either been exposed to radicalization um, or kind of along that path um, might be thinking and acting in ways that they might not, not have, have considered before. Um, I mean, we're going into this with um, like uh, a Monmouth poll in February said that a quarter of respondents were dead set against getting a COVID vaccine. Um, and, you know, the sharp partisan divide there suggests that I'm on a fair amount, you know, it's, it's a reticence that's, you know, not going to be overcome by watching national leaders get jabbed in their arms. Um, and then from the attitudes we've seen the past year about the disbelief of COVID severity and conspiracy theories about masks, it stands to reason that the vaccine refusers are not going to hunker down, but are going to run down, run out basically, and try to get back to normal as soon as things reopen. I mean, what this pretends for virus spread, you know, means a, a different thing. Um, but, you know, that said, there are a lot of people who are want, wanting to enjoy some activities that they haven't been able to in a year, but they still want to keep themselves and others safe. And they're not likely going to be pleased with the mask, the mask, the, the, the people who refuse to wear masks, acting like there still isn't a pandemic going on and refusing to take basic hygienic measures. So we could, uh, we could see more clashes in stores, venues, et cetera, and the like over social distancing, masks, coughing without a cover and such. Um, but there, there's also, you know, the, the lockdown experience, you know, is going to continue to feed these streams of anger at the government and even bolster some anti-government extremist sentiments or movements. And, you know, and there are a few reasons for that too. 
David, you're on mute. Man, I tell you what, that's that's uh, I, I I mute myself to uh, the host mutes himself to to stop coughing and then uh, and then he unmutes himself. So I I appreciated Joe, um, but I, as I was saying while I was muted, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how these groups come out from the pandemic. You know, obviously uh, this the, the the COVID did not discriminate. Uh, everyone was touched and impacted at some warm or in some form, and as we talked over the last year, it's hard to believe really we've been doing this for a year um, and we still have more time to go, is you know the way that this the virus has been weaponized and, and, and used by groups to, um, to, to look at, you know, to encourage or recruit or potentially use uh, disease as a type of weapon. Uh, so it, it's going to be very interesting moving forward with these venues uh, and, and how things are adjusted. You know, Joe, come back, swing back your way with this threat, you know, terrorist area um, and extremist tech. Are, are you seeing any trends? I mean, we, we've seen somewhat of a de-escalation or, or, or a tone down in the rhetoric over the last couple months. It's not you know, I don't want to appear to be sided one way or the other politically, but obviously the change in leadership within the United States had some effect on that, um, just in terms of the public rhetoric, but that doesn't mean it went away. These groups didn't magically disappear. Uh, we saw the, the QAnon group look at different things, uh, trying to find meaning out of what was happening. When you look at these conspiracy theory groups and these type of threat actors, you know, what are their next steps? What are those, you know, where do they go to next? Um, do they just kind of blend back into society and pretend like the last year didn't happen? Or, or is, is there still a concern on that front? Uh, brilliant questions. And I would certainly, I think Bridget and Travis are probably closer to the, their finger on a pulse to this particular topic. But from what I've seen, I think that that sort of disorganization um, no longer has sort of like a, you know, the, the, the mouthpiece. Um, and so I personally, in my experience, I've seen a lot of it die down. Even the people that I know that are very conservative and lean right, or the people who are very liberal and lean left. Um, it just seems as though that there's not an active argument. It's still there. People are still complaining about things, but it seems as though it has, it has toned down considerably, as you just mentioned. And now that I think the concerns that I'm having is that uh, whether it be a sort of a legitimate terrorist uh, um, sort of um, disruption, or if it's just a sort of a domestic disruption, as these venues are opening up, uh, it appears as though that we're getting ready for um, more demonstrations that will be disruptive. So, uh, and at the heart of it is, uh, I still I still think it, at the heart of it is COVID, especially as we're talking about um, trying to race towards herd immunity and whether people are going to get vaccinated or not. And I think the things that I'm seeing, you know, whether you decide to get a vaccine or not, either by vaccine or by infection, we're going to get to herd immunity. Uh, even if we have a surge, some of these super spreader events, uh, some of the possibilities of connecting some of these super spreader events. Um, sorry, that didn't come out right. With 40,000 people coming to a venue, obviously we're at risk for a super spreader event. So one way or another, we get to the end of this and hopefully it's sooner rather than later without many thousands of people um, getting sick. But the, I still think that at the root of this is this political argument. Obviously, we're very divided in this country. 
Um, but I do think, again, my my personal experience, it seems like the, the sort of red hot rhetoric that's associated with um, the prior administration has has died down. And it's almost like back to what it used to be, sort of more a more normal amount of heat and rhetoric than this sort of, um, I don't know what the term, I mean, it was like, on, it was rhetoric on steroids for the last few years. So um, I don't know if I got exactly to the heart of your question, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm sort of seeing and, and thinking. Yeah, no, I think I think it's 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 going to be an interesting dynamic to see how it goes. I, I don't think they, these groups have gone away. I think there's an aspect of it that is very real still, and I, and I wonder if it's going to show up in in other forms. You know, in speaking of one of those, and, and Travis will come over to you on this, and um, it is you know protest activity. Over the last weekend, we saw uh, it was the anniversary of the Breonna Taylor shooting in murder. Um, and we saw some incidents across the country. We have the George, the first of the George Floyd murder trials uh, beginning in Minneapolis, but we've also already seen some, uh, you know, rallies in support of uh, the, those activities. And I'm sure there's going to be some activity moving forward. Of course, the, the, the murder occurred uh, end of May last year. So that's a potential flare-up activity. We have traditional protests such as May Day that is always a protest. Now that we're reopening, maybe these people are still going to come out for May Day. From a, you know, maybe these groups supercharge their protest activities or, or whatnot. What do, what do you make of, of some of the areas where, you know, these conspiracy theories may have, have died down from being so public-facing? But maybe it's the you know the rooted stuff that is still going to cause problems uh, across the country. What do you, what do you think about the future of protests? Um, historically, what we see is as the weather gets warmer, uh, the protests increase in size, frequency, uh, and depending upon the the subject matter virulence, you'll probably see. Um, well, you will see that in the next couple next couple of months to um, and weeks to coincide with, with the trials. Number one, um, there's already a lot of activity that is um, showing up and starting to happen on happen on that. Not seeing really any um, pre indicators at this time that they're going to be uh, a violence outside of some individual agitators that that may try to go on both sides of the fence. Uh, because what will happen, obviously, is um, you know, one group will decide to have a particular uh, political bent and another will then come along to try to uh, counter that or offset that. And that's where the, you know, the problem begins. And it's when you see that, that's when you obviously have to start to worry. Anything that has to do with the, uh, you know, police brutality, those kind of protests tend to also have a little bit more of a, a virulence to them. Um, you know, the, the environmental stuff is really going to start picking up now as we get closer to the, you uh, uh, summer, uh, just as historically have been the case, uh, weather increases that. So you're going to see it. Um, it's going to um, take a significant ramp up here in the next couple of months. And, uh, you know, May uh, through August are typically very, very active. Yeah, I, you brought up a good point um, about uh, throughout a lot of that. And, and I, I think the, the interesting part is, you know, it's no longer just a protest or demonstration in support of or against the a cause. It's the counter protest that emerges 
and that develops as a result of that, almost to like, hey, I've got to show that we're supportive of this. And, and, and some of that is that politicalization of these protests that have occurred over the last several years. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how that will develop over some of these and whether we get any, whether there's that level of incitement um, that occurs around some of these protests. But I, I think, you know, for everyone out there, th there's a lot of indicators to be watching as you go through with these protest movements. There's a lot of activity that occurs on social media to be on guard for and watching out for. But let me let me turn back back to Bridget on, you know, these these conspiracy theories and the protest activities as, as we go through. You know, obviously there was a you know a rallying cry in the opposition to being woken or or being enlightened or being aware of what has happened in the past. Um, and there's a lot of protection about you know whether we're patriotic or or not, as if you know whether you have a flag or not makes you patriotic or not. But but where do where do some of these groups go now? Do, do they have a place? Do they go rooted underground a little bit more, which potentially could make them more dangerous? Uh, or do they dissipate? What, what have you seen over years of, of looking at some of these groups and some of these types of theories? Well, I'm going to um, kind of uh, lump in a little bit here for just a second. Um, uh, extremist movements, um, conspiracy theories, um, and to, to some degree, activist movements too. So, you know, for example, in the lockdown experience, um, some people found a purpose of sorts in rebelling. Um, and those who were attaching, fighting mask wearing or limiting restaurants uh, to take out to like a broad campaign of government overreach uh, were out there demonstrating, uh, they were waging war on social media, or they were loudly marching maskless into businesses to spread the virus and declare their freedom. Um, you know, declaring that their freedom was being impinged upon brought them together in like a common thread with some elements of anti-government or even sovereign citizen type movements. Um, and second, some found common cause in this. You know, whether it was the mask of super spreaders crowding into the restaurant uh, that was intentionally defined a mask mandate or people gathered around the trash can bonfire spreading germs while having their kids filmed dumping handfuls of masks into the fire. It's when people unite in these waves of anger, these conspiracy theories, um, anti-government sentiment, that you have the fertile ground for movements to spring up uh, or grow larger and for existing groups to add to their sympathizers or their membership. You know, in this pandemic, we saw some uniting within militia umbrellas um, with the Wolverine Watchmen in Michigan. Remember that they said that they envisioned taking a kidnapping a governor, governor uh, that that action would spread to multiple states led by what, what one of the suspects called tyrants. Um, and, I think really importantly too, third, you know, we haven't seen the end of this, um, this era, basically, this particular virus. We don't know what outbreaks or pandemics lurk around the corner, but we do know that smart governments will implement lessons learned when it comes to preparedness and response. Now, similarly, those who have embraced new anti-government sentiment or joined a movement will feel that they need to be prepared to fight any new pandemic control measures that they see as government overreach. 
And the conspiracy theories are also like viruses, they mutate. Um, you know, what happens when something doesn't come true? Um, you kind of work around that and you, you know, get towards like, like the next step of it. Um, and they'll repackage themselves. You know, if there are failed prophecies among QAnon around Trump returning to power and foes being executed, um, they can start, you know, insisting that they were all about stopping sex trafficking rings or they'll repurpose themselves. And this could get dangerous if some take on a more militant bent than they may have personally expressed before with potential violence against some of QAnon's political targets or inspiration from the Capitol attack. So it's, 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 it's a really, really sticky area now because there are a lot of um, points of extremism that have sprung up, have mutated, and will continue to to grow and to change. And it's something we got to stay a step ahead. Yeah, I, I think the last year has really showed us. I, I think it's been a wake up call on so many different levels. One, the 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 fact that we had a pandemic in the first place is is a wake up call. That, because you know, even though Ebola was pretty tough a couple of years ago, um, it was nowhere and paled in comparison to what we've had now. And, and and so that was a wake up call. And then, then, you know, we have always talked about the rhetoric being spewed about, you know, on the political sides of the aisle, whether you're left or right, it doesn't really matter. And we all just kind of dismissed that uh, as being just staged and everything. And I think we saw a lot uh, emerge as a result of that, that, that proved that the level of vitriol can be pretty pretty bad at times and to the point where it could lead to what happened on the 6th of January. And then you have groups like we saw with the Wolverine Watchmen and, and whether, and just to remember that, you know, Timothy McVeigh was, you know, did have one of the worst terrorist attacks in, in the United States history uh, in Oklahoma City, um, that these type of things can happen in the United States or, or people are planning these type of things. And it's not just a one-off here and there, that these things really do happen. And, and as, a, as organizations, as individuals, we really need to be on guard for that type of stuff and watching those type of behaviors as indicators, as, as Travis mentioned, um, to be able to see you know, what people are doing and how they're doing it and, and raise those suspicious incidents and indicators up to our, our organizational level and, and make that known. Again, not to be, it has to be transparent and everything in the reporting process, but we really need to be, take ownership of that and, and, be, and be on guard for that. And I think the organizations are responsible now moving forward, especially as we start going back into offices and, and venues and, and uh, facilities that, you know, we need to start considering these type of things as, as everyday activities. So um, all great points, everyone. This has been really great discussion so far. I want to switch over to our lightning round. I want to start getting through a bunch of these little questions that we've got here. We haven't had a true lightning round in a little while. We had uh, a tornado interrupt us last time and, uh, um, you know, my house is safe and secured now. But um, I want to get through a couple of these lightning round questions. I, we already kind of talked about the, the snow stuff in the beginning. I think we're all past the snow, but behind, you know, the winter weather and the tornado season that we're getting into peak season on now, 
we have hurricane season. So in fact, the first question we have for today is, um, it was announced earlier this month that the start of the Atlantic season was gonna be moved up to 15 May, which it used to be one June. So predictions are still pending. There's a couple out there that are that'll come out in the next couple of weeks. But last year we hit a record number of named storms at 30. So we went into the Greek alphabet. We went all the way through the, the regular alphabet and went into the Greek alphabet. So first question, over under for this year, um, I'm gonna put it at O, the letter O. Do we go over that amount or under that amount? We'll start, we'll go reverse order this time. Bridget, starting with you. I think we'll make it to Hurricane Q and start a whole new round of conspiracy theories. <laughs> very good, very good. Travis, where are you at? Over, under, O. Under. All right, all right. Travis is under. Okay, I like it. What about what about you, Joe? I I for I I, I was laughing at what Bridget said because it's true. Um, but I, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's over. I think I think it's yeah, I'm over. Last last year the N uh, letter was Nana, and I, I had to take that in respect to my grandmother, uh, Nana Cantone. So I, I but of course I was way wrong. So I, I am gonna go. I, I'm gonna go. We'll split it with Travis here. I'm gonna go under this year and see if anything else happens. But. Uh, We'll go from there. We'll just we'll we'll keep tabs and we'll come back together at the end of the season and see what what is up. All right. So next question. Next question. Okay. What is the one security lesson learned through the pandemic that you think not not you personally, but you think organizations will take with them beyond this time? So we've seen organizations adapt their business models in so many different ways. What's the one security lesson that we're going to learn from this whole thing? And, and again, we'll go back to Bridget and start with. What, what, what do you think organizations, what's that lasting security impact? Respect the people who are in their various lanes and work with them. You know, we learn to listen to the scientists, listen to experts. You know, Homeland Security is not a jack of all trades profession. It's a collaboration with people with different subject matter expertise. Um, so I think that the big takeaway is listen know that there's probably a bigger expert and collaborate with them so you mean instead of that that health person that we used to stick in the corner of the room and never <laughs> talk, we, we can now bring them into the conversation is that what you're yes saying? yes all right great all right travis what about you what's the one security lesson learned that you think organizations will take away from here Travis is pondering. He's thinking. Um, I hope it's update and reevaluate annually your security plan and be more holistic about the thought process. That's my hope. Yeah, you know, that, that story about George Bush developing the pandemic response and then it got put on the shelf and never seen again. Um, it, it, it rung true on so many different levels because I think we've seen that in so many organizations. They do the right thing, they put the plan together, and then they never pull it back out again uh, to look at it and update it. So great, great point, uh, Travis, really, really good. Uh, what about you, Joe? Oh, I, I unfortunately have a much more pessimistic uh, view of this. Um, <laughs> this is going to just sound terrible, but I, 
I think collectively we're probably not going to learn the things that we should have learned. Um, and that's sad because we had plenty of time and plenty of experience. Um, I think it will be disconnected. I think in certain areas, people will take some really wonderful things. And I, I, I love what Travis said because that would be wonderful um, and, Brid and what Bridget said. Um, I, I think the, the challenge is, is I, a lot of places are gonna take away the hygiene theater of it all or the theater hygiene, whatever you wanna call it. And I saw a lot of response that was just, it was, it was tactical and you could point to it and say, we did something, but that something, I believe my opinion, focus group of one was off mark. It was just not productive. You know, getting a UV robot to sanitize the eight foot and above your walls and your ceilings and things that people would never interact with uh, was a very expensive solution. And yes, UV light was found to kill the virus, but it wasn't something that was um, good bang for the buck. You could wash your hands and wash away the, the, the virus. And so I would rather than put it into something more aligned with the science, you know, kind of what Bridget's saying, like, let's, let's listen to the people who know. Um, so I, I think that um, very quickly, we will put this in our rearview mirror and we will forget all about this. You know, that may be two or three years from now, but as soon as this just becomes an annual thing like the flu shot, uh, we will quickly just, um, you know, we'll, we'll forget. We, we like to forget. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I could poo-poo you there right there, Joe, and say, oh, what, way to be a Debbie Downer here. But at the same time is, I mean, you know, just as much as we want to learn from our history, we also have, you know, know enough from our experience that we know that despite all the good things that have developed, there is going to be equally those that, that choose to just drive right past it and forget it. Um, so, so I think there's a challenge for organizations to, to not allow that to happen, and, and we hope you do. Um, I'm, I'm going to say for mine that I really think it's so important how the, we're so interconnected in everything that we do um, in the world, across the world. Things that happen in Asia are just as applicable to what's happening in, in Europe or the Americas. Um, you know, and, and I think, and the same thing within Africa, what, what happens there can have ripple effects. And I think what we need to do as organizations is really not just dismiss the news that is coming out from there, but what can we learn and take from those, what's happening there, because it's going to make its way to where you are. And I think if you're not looking at it, evaluating it, um, then, then you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. So that's the one thing I think, it, you know, we're going to start being more aware of what's happening around the world and see how that applies to us, or that's my hope at least. Um, okay, so last question, last security, you know, last little uh, lightning round question coming up. I don't know if you guys have followed this, but you know, if you're a superhero movie buff or not, um, I am, I have been known to be one. Um, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie, the one, the Justice League movie that was released a couple years ago, and there is a Snyder Cut that is now going to be released, which is supposed to be a bigger, more, um, more true to the uh, visualization of the original director, um, is going to happen on HBO Max. So my question to the group, starting with Bridget, are you excited? Are you confused? Or you have no idea what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what did Dan Snyder say now? <laughs> <laughs> 
he's got quite a reputation at Dan Snyder, for sure. <laughs> All right. Okay, Shirley Travis, you know the Snyder cut, not Dan Snyder of the Justice League. Are you excited? Are you confused? Or you have no idea? I have no idea what you're talking about. I have <laughs> zero. I don't even know. I can't even tell you that I've seen one of the movies. I'm being honest. We're gonna we're gonna lose our uh, our nerdite and nerdy status. I think pretty soon. <laughs> Joe, you gotta help me. Are you are you uh, are are you aware? <laughs> so we're three for three. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. Uh, my my wife and I. You know, I've never watched all those Marvel universe and you know the Justice League things and stuff. So we committed to like starting because we got like Disney Plus recently, and we're like we're committed. We're starting. And we're gonna do it in order. And I think we're three movies in. Um, so if that's not even the reference you're making, that's as close as I can come. We just started the Marvel Universe movies. Am I close? You, the, it, it's the other. It's the other comic book group of movies. But yes, you're you're close. It's it's the lesser of them. So um, I won't get into the details about what the Snyder Cut is any more than I need to. I'm confused about it. I don't think it's necessary. But because the first one was so awful, the second one re-releasing it with new visualizations is not going to make it any better. I'm just going to tell you, you can't salvage a bad movie. So, okay. With, with all of that, I'm glad I could get a stump to chump kind of question in there at the end. Um, but with all of that, let's wrap it all up. Um, we'll do our uh, plug promote or anything you want to push uh, Bridget. I know you got a big webinar series coming up. Anything you want to promote or plug? We do. We restarted our HS Today law enforcement training webinars. And so the, the first one is on St. Patty's Day on uh, anti-government extremist movements. And then we have one on April 14th about uh, man-made deliberate threats to the energy sector. Um, so stay tuned for those and for even more coming down the pipe. Awesome. So this should this podcast should go out on the 16th. So if you send me a link, uh, Bridget, I will put that in the show notes for everyone to watch uh, and, and, and look out for. So Travis, anything you want to promote, plug, or maybe even a parting shot? Non-promotable. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> We're always glad to have you, Travis. Always glad to have you. What, what about you, Joe? Uh, I, I would I'd sum up a couple of things that my colleagues on the call have said. Uh, now's the time if you if you think you have or if you know you have not. Uh, now's the time to review all your plans, all your op plans, all your EAPs, EOPs, whatever you want to call them, before you uh, come back full force. Uh, and you know, be aware. Teach your uh, teach uh, you know re reintroduce your de-escalation and your situational situational awareness training because those two things are going to go hand in hand for quite some time and be patient. Um, really take care of your staff through this because they're going to be dealing with the public coming into your building and they themselves are human beings and they've got their own anxiety and emotions surrounding coming back to work. So take extra care of the people that you're working with. They're really gonna need it. Well said. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, well said, Joe. And with that, we'll just wrap everything up. I really appreciate everyone's time to be here today. Uh, what I will just promote is the Gate 15 podcast channel, which we have uh, most recently the cybersecurity evangelist with Jen has gotten out there and she's doing a great series on the ISACs and the various uh, communities around those. We also have the Gate 15 uh, interview with Andy Jabor in which he interviews leading individuals across the board. 
um, about various security topics. And then we have the risk roundtable where Andy, Jen, and I get together and talk about um, some different security topics. And I try not to mess up the theme music. So with all of that, everyone, Bridget, Travis, and Joe, I appreciate your time today. And for everyone, please stay safe and, and don't lose bearing of where we, how far we've come to get to this point. So with that, I bid you all adieu. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks. Take care, guys. Yeah. Guys. Nice.